Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey everybody, welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Weekly Call. Amy here. I hope you all had a fabulous weekend. Hey, guess what? Oh my goodness. Uh, I have got the best podcast for you this week. I am so excited to, uh, to drop this one, play this one for you. I think you're going to Love it. In just a moment, I shall introduce you to one of the most significant agents of change in my life, uh, the incredible Gina DeVee, uh, founder, creator of Divine Living and uh, my mentor over some pretty significant years. Definitely um, the, the the coach who taught me how to uh, how to coach, uh, how to do it well. Um, and I can't wait to introduce you to her and uh, the conversation that we had late last week. Some real, real gems. Um, it might be one of those ones that you listen to a few times. Really take it in deeply. Before we do that, I have some congratulatory shout outs. I want to do a big shout out first to Kate of Temple Yoga Dunedin uh, in New Zealand, of course. Uh, Kate did the free how to teach retreats online training and she got her shit together and yesterday was it no when did she send me this yeah yesterday sent me this message I did my two-hour pranayama thing today love uh, I spent a hundred dollars and I got five people four newbies was super exciting my freaking slides didn't work but my teenager helped me pretty simple fuck up actually all learning it was more tiring in person than in person seminars maybe just because I'm new to it she charged um $45 per head. She says they got their money's worth and are interested in more. So I just want to like bring this home for you, everybody, because, um, I've been talking all week about the power of Facebook advertising. And here, I just want to make the point. So Kate said that she did her first ever online retreat. It was a pranayama training went for two hours. She spent a hundred people, sorry, a hundred bucks on her Facebook ads. And from that $100 spend, she made $180. So she made all of her money back and then some. Now, why this is super exciting is because these are four new people that she didn't have as students before who had a great time and want to come to more. Awesome. Yes, Kate, love it. Uh, fantastic, fantastic. Next up, another fun message. Uh, play this one to you. This is Beth from Yoga Ladies London. Just to say, um, thank you so much for your help with our private call. Um, I whacked a theme on that mini retreat, um, my mini retreat today, um, yin yoga for happy hips. Uh, I made over 500 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's a record. I've never made that much from a mini retreat before amazing thank you thank you thank you so much and the training the other day really helped as well um because I ran uh ads I didn't run I, I boosted actually I just boosted uh, the event for it and I boosted a post about it and I got so many people through Instagram not through Facebook weirdly enough through the in, through Instagram I guess the 
they obviously promote to Instagram as well. Anyway, I'll keep this short. <laughs> Thank you so much. I hope you're having a great um, evening. Yay. Don't you just love those? Don't you, I love that. I love that you can teach a two-hour online retreat and make 500 pounds. You know, all of these people who just think that you have to be broke to be a yoga teacher. Bah! nonsense. So uh, as you might guess, the thing that these two events had in common was they used social media marketing to find people to come along. So it would be remiss of me not to remind everybody that Facebook ads know-how, my four-week short course on doing Facebook and Instagram ads starts next week. Uh, Registration is still open all week long and you'll also get the bonus masterclass about taking your own photos if you sign up by Wednesday night. So if you are fearful of Facebook ads, if you've uh, if you're convinced they don't work because actually maybe you're not very good at them and that's why they don't work, uh, if if you forgot to turn a campaign off and spent too much, if you don't know what you're doing, if you find the interface daunting and confusing, please uh, register for this course. Uh, it's fun, I promise, and I even have a Bikram Chowdhury gag in there, so you won't want to miss that. <laughs> I've been advertising on Facebook since 2009. I know what I'm talking about. I'm good at it. And, uh, you know, I know what trips yoga teachers up. I know what works really well in our industry and what doesn't. And so if, like Beth, um, you know, you might have tried something and it went okay, I want to show you how you can refine it so it does a whole lot better. Uh, I'll be teaching you about how to make campaigns, different types of campaigns, how to create audiences, what photos work, what copy works. And what I really want you to learn is how to monitor what you're doing so that you can get better over time, uh, get better results as you learn and get to a place where you can actually budget uh, your return on investment. So like Kate knows this time round, she spent $100 and made 180 with some refinement on her ads, she can generate greater certainty for herself so that it doesn't become like lick your finger and stick it in the air and kind of take a guess on what you think is going to happen, but actually becomes a reliable way to welcome new people into your yoga business. So check it out, uh, amymcdonald.com.au forward slash Facebook ads. The link is in the episode notes. Uh, And if you have any questions about it, if you're a different type of practitioner and you're worried that there's going to be too many yoga gags, (laughs) <laughs> hit me up on insta uh at amy yoga biz coach and we can hash it out all right so now it is time to introduce you to the very special guest that i have for you for this week as i said gina has been a mentor of mine um pretty much since uh coinciding with amy deciding to stop shaving her head as a money saving exercise uh one of the key things that gina helped me heal was my money story so when you've heard me talking about all of the batshit crazy stuff i used to do to save a dollar uh it's you know i have gina to thank for that absolutely gina and her community and what she's modeled to me in my life you know and i was getting this all together. Um, I, I was remembering this time. I thought I'd just about cracked my money story. You know, I, I thought I'd just about, I'm like, I'm on this. And I'd flown to, I'd flown to, to California for this thing, business class, baby, staying at a nice, um, nice hotel, you know, got all the nice clothes, different pair of shoes for every day. I'm like, man, I got this. And then, uh, you know, the conference thing and okay, I'll get, get to the hotel. 
great. Um, and I was telling my friends there about how I got to the hotel and they, and they gave me this funny look and uh, yeah, I didn't really think too much of it. Anyway, it got to this point of the conference. Gina's um, events are fabulous, uh, decadent affairs. And I, I don't know why, but I was up on stage for something. She was doing some laser coaching with me. And we're talking about how Amy tends to get so close to getting something hammered out and done. And then she kind of self-abandoned. So I had this pattern of almost not quite. And I, and I was saying, oh, but not this time, you know, not this time. I flew business class and I'm staying here at this fancy hotel and I've got, and I've got all of these, uh, you know, all of these beautiful clothes. Ah, my friends in the audience just yelled out, they dobbed me in, they just yelled out that I had taken from LAX, I had taken the public bus. No, in fact, I had had to take two public buses. Uh, for the, it took two hours to get from LAX to my accommodation. And I thought that was just a smart way to travel. Like why like spend money on a taxi or an Uber when you can just take the bus? I didn't even realize that taking the public bus in LA is like a, that's a thing. <sighs> you know, I like the diversity of the hum- of humanity. <laughs> and you get to meet a lot of it. I made Facebook friends with my bus driver. But anyway, needless to say, there were quite a few slip ups like that. You know, one step forward, one step back <laughs> on Amy's uh, money mindset journey. Uh, but definitely, uh, you know, Gina was the, was the guiding light for, for me on that path. And as you'll hear when we launch into the interview, I actually came across her because I was on someone else's mailing list who must have been promoting Gina's program. And I was uh, I was doing some training. I was doing some training with Ellen Heed in Hong Kong, I think. No, maybe it was even it was Sing- I was in Hong Kong, Singapore, somewhere around there. Uh, again, poverty mindset, something chronic. Uh, not only was I not staying at like an Airbnb or a hotel, I was staying at, I get this, a, a, a friend of mine from high school. And this is not that long ago, right? Like I would have been I don't know. It was definitely my late thirties. So a friend of mine from high school who, uh, had a friend that he kind of knew, I suspect from something like grinder. So it was that kind of friend had a friend who lived with his wife and their three children on the, there was Singapore, the fucking God knows where boondocks of Singapore. They had a spare bed. Uh, it was the bottom bunk the kid was on the top uh, that I could stay there to go to this training. And so no shit. That's, that's what I was doing that I was on the bottom bunk at night in someone's house. I didn't know that were too many steps removed for it to actually be appropriate for me to even be staying there. Bless them. They let me into their house. And I was watching these videos of this woman in California telling me that actually it was possible to be wealthy and spiritual all at the same time. And that it was my job as a woman, to be good to myself. I can't even tell you, I can't even tell you how much uh, that triggered me and also intrigued me, um, you know, because dang it, was I doing it hard uh, for all of the wrong reasons. So folks, it's my delight to introduce you to such an important person in my life, uh, Gina DeVee, the author of a fantastic book, The Audacity to Be Queen. Get yourself a copy uh, and enjoy this interview. Okay, everybody, I am so thrilled to welcome Gina DeVee to our podcast for this week. Gina, thanks so much for coming. Amy, I wouldn't miss it for the world. I was just uh, chatting a little bit before we got going about uh, how, I, how I came across you and how it was this incredible intersection in my own spiritual awakening journey. And um, 
the first the first encounter I had with you that you don't know about was watching those videos, and I remember the the, the macaroon video, and oh the, <laughs> and the video where you had this kind of like Grecian kind of white thing, and it was this very glamorous, feminine turning of a, pages of a journal, and there was something stirred in me like I don't know what this is, but something is awakening that I don't yet understand, and I was. Um, like severe poverty consciousness back then and yet and and so you know looking at those videos I was thinking how that you were embodying pleasure and and this sort of decadence that up until that point I would have found um I would have I would have made a really strong judgment about it would have really triggered my stuff but there was something (laughs) at that moment where I, I with this tiny little sliver was open to maybe that's something for me maybe there's something in this and it was really the beginning of un- unraveling all of my poverty consciousness stuff and so I'm thrilled to welcome you here because I think that you're so powerful as a leader in that space of bringing together uh, fullness pleasure um, the divine and spirituality that they can be absolutely mutually inclusive Yes, yes. Well, it's such a pleasure to be here. And yeah, abundance is abundance. You know, um, spiritual abundance, emotional abundance, community abundance, material abundance. Um, And I think that that when we have um, compartmentalized and separated the different parts of our desires, um, then we've really created an imbalance in what has led to a lot of judgment. I, I agree. And I also think that, and, and I'll, I'll loop us back, but I also think that for a lot of folks who are listening to this interview, they may not even have uh, opened that door to what their desires are. I think that's even that is going to be a beautiful uh, conversation for us to have in this, in this interview. I'm wondering, um, folks, Gina's just put out an incredible book. It's called The Audacity to Be Queen, and I absolutely recommend it. Um, and uh, I recommend it. I preferred audio because I just get a kick out of listening to Gina while I'm doing all sorts of things. So go get that. But so um, could you tell us, Gina, so that we get can get up to speed for folks who haven't got the book yet. Sure. Tell us about this archetype of queen because yoga is chock-a-block with archetypes. We love them. Um, and I'm sure we can correlate yoga ones with you. <clears throat> D- define it for us. What is a queen to you? Yes. Well, well, we know how uh, powerful archetypes really uh-huh. are. And the way that I work with the queen archetype is knowing that it's really about you becoming the best version of you, whatever that looks like. Uh-huh. It's not meant to be a sort of uh, traditional or, you know, characterization of what many of us can think of with queen. Right. It's really the queen archetype is the masterful blend of the feminine and the masculine. Yeah. And so when we allow the integration in us to bring all of our energies together, leading more with the feminine than backing it up with the masculine versus the opposite, that's when we really can draw on um, a spiritual principle. That's when we can access the realm of the miraculous. That's when we're really in the feminine and being creative and insightful and seeing things not as they are, but as they could be. And then once we kind of get our divine assignment, uh, then we can use our masculine energy to go and take action to make it real and manifest it in the world. 
I think that the, uh, I like to think that I'm on the journey to queenhood um, and I can see a strong correlation with the um, success in all measures in my mm-hmm. business with that journey. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering, could you, for folks who are listening, so holistic practitioners, yoga teachers who are deciding to call themselves business owners as well as their other roles, mm-hmm. um, this role of this archetype of queen, what does it look like when, it, when it's misaligned or what does it look like when we haven't got that perfect balance? How does mm-hmm. it show up in business? Let's see. Little Miss Perfect, uh, paranoid gangster, dictator, diva, bitch, martyr, the defeatist, the ghost. Um, I think there's over 30 uh, archetypes and money monsters that I talk about in the book that I have personally lived through all of them, (laughs) (laughs) which is why I can speak to them so articulately. Um, it's, It's all of the unconscious kind of characters that come in and take the wheel and take over our lives that keep us from our highest truth and our highest power. I know um, from reading your book and just from having worked with you over the years that part of um, your story was um, that moment when you realized that actually you would like to have a whole bunch of money and that didn't make you somehow spiritually bereft that it all could happen at the same time. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Because there will be teachers that are listening that that still have, you know, they're working on it, but they still have that lingering thing of am I somehow spiritually bankrupt if I'm financially mm-hmm. abundant or if I'm desiring to spend money on things that aren't essential mm-hmm. somehow, mm-hmm. you know, that's spiritual materialism and I've lost my way. Yes, yes. So, you know, I mean, this was one of the places, you know, as they say in the week will become strong. This was one of the weakest areas in my life that has become stronger. And what I want to, let's see, what do I want to say about this? So if you will, so if we get out of what society has told you mm-hmm. and get into source guiding you, mm-hmm. that is where you're going to really be able to allow what's what's true for you and so you know I grew up in a a pretty conservative Christian household and it was like you know money is bad and you're supposed to give your money away you're not supposed to focus on money um you're not supposed to be vain and you know you're either spiritual or you're materialistic there was all this like good or bad right or wrong tons of judgment tons of criticism um tons of superiority justifications going on about you know why um a number of forms of lack were spiritual and why a number of forms of abundance were not spiritual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I was the chronic codependent people pleaser, little miss perfect. So when, when adults and authority figures said that something was good, I went with that. I didn't question it. I just, I took it on. And then I also then took on what they said was bad. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got into my twenties where I got more, spiritually seeking, I think, rather than just being religious. And I had to really question, start questioning from a deeper place. And when I realized that there were certain desires that were true for me, that were in my heart, they were very natural to me. They were an extension of my personality. And when I stopped making them wrong, I realized they were actually an extension of my mission. That's when I realized how spiritual my desires are whether they cost a certain dollar amount or not. Uh And it took 
first my own self-realization that this is what was true for me. And then it took a lot of courage for me to be able to publicly own that as well. So I think that for anyone on the journey, um, well, if you read the book, you're going to get all sorts of permission on getting clear <laughs> on what your desires are. Um, but I think what you will be pleasantly surprised to see is like these, these natural pieces to us that we've made wrong or tried to suppress or put down. Um, they're, they're meant to be in your life. Oh. And, you know, and your desires are actually meant to lead you to fulfilling your purpose. Thank you. I love it. I, um, I've been reading some articles of this guy, uh, opinion leader, thought leader at the moment in yoga land, Matthew Remsky has this term called dharma-splaining. It's kind of like mansplaining, but it's like, you know, so using spiritual terminology to make the other person know their place. And I think in, in yoga land, like every, every um, professional group or, or, you know, clique, um, people who haven't got there yet, like they can, everybody can do this. You can draw on the teachings of your, of your um, identity or of your group to compound negative beliefs or to make, like you said, to make what you're starting to consider wrong. Mm -hmm. And I see this, um, unfortunately, even with sort of the, some of the peak bodies that people sign up to, there's, it's very, um, uh, it's, it's very uh, infused throughout what they talk about, about, um, making money, not charging too much. There's been a huge wave over the COVID period of offering things for free because that's how you be in service, even though you can't pay your own bills. So it's hard for folks who, it could be, I imagine, hard for folks who are in a community that is constantly being, that where the negative messages are being compounded, how do they lift themselves up out of it when mm -hmm. stuff is being mirrored back to them contrary to those emerging new ideas? Well, there's a couple of things. Yeah. One, if you're like two days sober, you don't go to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to pay attention to who you're surrounding yourself with. Yeah. And like at this point for me, I could walk into any environment. And actually, I led many uh, Instagram lives when COVID first came out. It was like, you got to give everything away. I mean, this was even in the entrepreneurial community. You got to give everything away for yeah. free. You can't yeah. charge and. I have all these like, you know, multi-million dollar friends and we were on, you know, masterminds and I, I couldn't believe their wealth conscious. They were like, yeah, you can't charge right now. You can't. And I was like, says who? Because I sure as hell am. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm promoting my programs because, because I'm about a number of things. I'm about being of service. People more than ever need what I am offering right now. And I know that. And I believe that number one, number two, coming from the place, the feminine was very committed to taking a stand for the end. It's not, you can charge for something or you can't charge for something. So I very proudly, very boldly, and very visibly continued to market my paid programs and services, mm. and I created new free offerings. Mm. There was a particular program that we were going to sell, and actually it was my husband's idea. He said, we should give it away for free. And I, I just was divinely inspired to do daily free Instagram lives, like so that there's positive programming out there in the world. So... I unapologetically am selling my programs that cost thousands of dollars because I know what those, the life change that happens for people mm -hmm. who it's right for that are in them. And I created free offerings. So I think that um, 
one, you need to be clear about who you're surrounding yourself with. And if you don't have the strength to stand up to a belief that is going to take you down, then you need to remove yourself. And once you're strong enough, like, you know, I was in my, you know, I had no problem telling my friends, like, if you guys don't want to charge right now, fine, but I sure am. Like, like I, I was not spiritually guided to not sell programs. Like if I didn't sell programs, I would have been going along with peer pressure to look good in the, this particular community so that I looked benevolent like they did. Like, like that, there was nothing true or authentic about that yes. for me. Yes. yes. So that's why I decided to do both. I think one of the greatest, boon, well, one of the, one of the greatest boons that I didn't see coming in the work I've done with you is exactly that, being around people who, who help you remember what's true for you and make a space where it's okay to live that. Mm-hmm. I remember being, um, I was teaching my class, I was, you know, end of the class, here I live, and letting everybody know classes next week. I'm going to go to Italy for six days to do a thing with Gina. And um, I'm flying business class and they're like, business class for six days? Don't you think that's a bit excessive? And that was the first time I'm like, no, I think I'm worth it. I think- <laughs> But, but it was because I knew I was going to a group of people who were like, yes, that was the right choice for you. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's one of the great things that you do um, is bring together people so that they have a peer group that is on the same page, or, you know, the same energetic resonance about bringing these things together, abundance yes. and spirituality. Well, and, and health, like think, think about it. So I'm pretty sure any spiritual community, and I'm not speaking on behalf of the yoga community here, but you consider the, the, the body a temple? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So if the body is the temple, why, and you do all that you do, headstands and the whole thing, on behalf of the health of the body, why wouldn't you, why would you go and crunch yourself in a small container for 19 hours or however long it takes you to get to Italy and not treat the body as the temple that it is? Folks, you can stop listening now. If this is all you get for the rest of your life from me, uh, thank you so much for reiterating that point. And I can't tell you how professionally rewarding it is for me when one of my retreat participants sends me a message and says, Amy, I've just upgraded to business class. I think, yes, I've got another one. We've recruited another one to the club. (laughs) Yes, yes. It's health. It's abundance. Um, That's what's spiritual. Yes, yes. That's what we're meant for. That's what, yeah, I mean, it's fundamental to yoga teachings we're meant to, to experience such it and under being consciousness and bliss it's, we're not meant to struggle and yeah there's, mm-hmm. there's something misaligned if that's what our reality yeah Absolutely. okay so let me ask you the next iteration of this question then okay we can we're starting to understand that in fact you can have prosperity and spirituality at once and in fact the teachings it sounds like both of our traditions actually if you get to the heart of it suggest that they're both our birthright really yes okay so we've got that we understand that it's important to be around people who also are sharing those views so that we can um be reaffirmed while we're still learning Mm -hmm. what about this is another thing that i see quite often in yoga land is because it is a tradition where it's a it's a lineage tradition you have respect for your teacher what I see is that my, I'll, I'll have clients who say, oh, but I could never charge more than my teacher, that they're looking to their teacher for, to be the, 
representative of all the things that all the ways that you should do yoga look to this one person and yet the teacher has crappy wealth consciousness Mm -hmm. what does a yoga teacher do in that situation where their mentor they they can't they don't want to earn more than the mentor the apprentice always goes further than the master tell us more about that the the mentor came into your life with his or her contribution mm-hmm. at for whatever that person's dharma was mm-hmm. and has if it's if that person is your mentor has served you well in many ways but uh mentor is not god spirit source or infinite intelligence and so if you are making i'm just gonna use the word god because that's yeah, what do it for me, but we've got um, 300,000 of them. You're like, okay. <laughs> if, you're, if you're making your mentor God, there is a misalignment there. And I seek wisdom from spiritual source and I charge according to what my divine guidance gives me, yep. not what another human being who I have great respect for and has even been a mentor for me in certain areas of my life. Yep. Yeah. Would you share with us, um, putting you on the spot, but I, I think this is a powerful teaching um, and one that I'm so grateful that you gave to me is about how to uh, find the right price for an offering based on what feels like the right, rather than the intellect coming from the, the wisdom body or divine guidance. Could you tell us a bit more about that strategy? Sure. So for me, this is a combination of intuition and spiritual connection, Okay. which doesn't really have like a paint by number and a dot and a formula and a, and a checklist. Um, you know, when I was first starting out as a struggling psychotherapist and charging sliding scale rates and had like the wealth consciousness of a peanut, um, <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't even give people an opportunity to like, I think the rate was supposed to be a hundred dollars an hour as a master's level clinical psychotherapist. And people would be like, so what do you charge? I'd be like, it's a hundred dollars, but no, don't worry about that. I offer sliding scale rates. I can see you for 50. Like, I mean, it was like, they didn't have a chance at paying full price with me. And, um, oh, so that was all my conditioning. That was all my, and I write about this in the book, the injured feminine instinct is the inability to receive, receive a compliment, receive abundance, receive money, receive um, visibility, you know, your place in the world. So when I was just in that like broken default mode, I, um, I, basically I scrounged. I I talk about that. I was like in the slave girl archetype. Like I was willing to work so, 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 so much just for the crumbs. And I was a chronic under earner. And I think probably what came up for me was I just had a belief that because I didn't have money that everybody else in the world didn't either. (laughs) I mean, no narcissism there. Um, Oh, um, being considerate and thinking of everybody else surely no, I just believe that everybody was like 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 <laughs> I struggled with money so therefore everyone else must also, also and, you know and my parents were school teachers so we weren't rich or we weren't they always struggled with money and so I what I didn't know was anyone who didn't struggle financially it was like it was the community that we were in it was the church environment we were in um, and then I was seventy five thousand dollars in debt with student loans and racked up credit cards. So like I just 
wanted to help people. And so I, I was trying to be nice and also trying to make a living. And it was just this very, this warped concept. And what changed it for me was I was doing a lot of marriage counseling at the time and people would come in and they would, they didn't have a lot of money for marriage counseling, but their marriage was on the rocks and they would do a session or two. And I'm here trying to help them so much on decades worth of, you know, trauma in their marriage in two sessions. And then like, cause they're not like, you know, ready to renew their vows by then. They were like, nope, we're done. And every single time they always, each of them had $5,000 retainer money for their divorce attorney. And I was like, $10,000, we could have done so much with that. And, you know, and if you put $10,000 into therapy, and, so, and not that it even needed to be that much. The point was, I realized that collectively, the legal profession valued their services more than collectively the field of psychology and counseling. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm generalizing here. And I had to take a look at that. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, we both do good work in the world. We're both educated. Like, why... Our therapists supposed to do sliding scale rates and attorneys have a $5,000 retainer. So then I remember speaking to your point. So I was a master's level therapist and my mother was a PhD and the PhDs were like top of the pecking order in psychology. And so a master's was a hundred an hour. PhD was 125 at this point. Uh And I was thinking like, I want to charge 150. And it was like, you don't charge more than the PhD when you're only a master's yes, level. Yes, yes, yes. But it wasn't like a law. It was just like this unspoken thing that you don't do. Yeah. And like the odd, like who, like who does that? And I realized one of my lessons was that I wanted people to value what I offered more than I was willing to value it. Like I was waiting for other people to say, I want to pay you more. I want to pay you full rate. And I wasn't standing in the vibration of me saying, this is how I see the value of these services. And whoever that's a vibrational match for will come and join me here. Like I was so like, you know, will you approve of me? And will you approve of the price and all that? So mm-hmm. this is a long answer to your question, but to get to the, the point, once I worked through the, this, these awarenesses, I started to ask myself the question, then I moved into coaching. And I was like, what is my price for a day rate? And I would get a certain dollar amount or what's my price per hour or per package. And one of the things um, that my mentor, Marianne Williamson was so great about teaching me, she, she teaches spiritually not to overreach, mm. but not to underreach. Mm. And the underreach is as unhealthy as the overreach. And so it's really about being in alignment. And when I realized, like, and you start to, it's, it's kind of like eating, like how much is too little for the body and what is too much for the body? Like neither of those feel good, but like just finding your sweet spot of what that price is for you. And so I think that for anyone squeamish about charging too much like really ask yourself what is the right price for you and what's what's not too little and what's not too much for the overreachers who are listening right now and be like well so and so is charging more and i i deserve that too i would say great and if your wealth consciousness isn't there yet you will get there faster by being where you're at yes and so charge a certain price get in that vibration build up that wealth consciousness muscle and then charge more and charge more as is appropriate. 
I love it. And I suspect that uh, there will be, the overcharges are going to be in the minority. The undercharges are listening in saying, fuck, Amy's been telling me that forever. And now, now Gina's telling me I'm going to have to do it. You know, the story that I hear so often is um, from teachers is that they, they ter- they're terrified. They work through it. They tell their students, okay, class is going up $2 next week. And all the students say, oh, thank God, because we felt awful this whole time paying you so little. Mm-hmm. 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 Everything that, you know, it's, it's about exchange. It's not about tit for tat, but it's a breathing in and a breathing out. Mm. And you all community know the importance of the power of both of those yeah. in equal uh, balance and in equal exchange. And money is just energy by the way. And so when there is an imbalance and a uh, disproportionate exchange in the energy, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. So coming back to the, t- the title of your book and the, you know, your, your sort of your life's work, I guess, um, mm-hmm. folks that are listening in, obviously like audacity be queen, everybody go get, uh, but also where, what are some starting points? How does, how does someone who's listening to this who may be having that moment that I had in someone's spare room in Hong Kong, uh, when I watched your macaroon video, there's something here for me. I don't, I'm being triggered, but I'm being drawn. Mm-hmm. What's the, other than read, in addition to reading your book, what, where do we start? Mm. Listen. Listen, I think that um, so much of what I have experienced with women around <clears throat> um, wealth, materialism, dare I say luxury yeah. in this community, um, has, if you're triggered, there's something there for you. If you've got nothing on it, then it's just, it's, it, it fine. Then it's neutral. That's like what the energy is like for all of us. But what I find is that we all really want the the, the best for our lives. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean the most expensive, mm-hmm. but we do all want the best for our lives. And so I want you to listen to what is that exactly for you? Yeah, for someone, it's going to be a Birkenstock and for someone, it's going to be a Birken bag, you know, like, and there's everything in between. But I think that the biggest travesty is us not listening to what is actually true for us when it comes to our desires. Mm-hmm. And if you are not living by your own value system, and if you're not listening to yourself, you don't even know what your own value system is. Mm-hmm. You're in, you're in unconscious conditioning. And yes. so start to play with listening to your voice and it will be confronting enough just to listen to what's actually true for you. Um, You know, and when I realized that what was actually true for me was uh, an integration of spirituality and luxury. What was true for me is that, uh, look at JLo is my spirit animal. I do enjoy the finer things in life. I have become unapologetic about that, but everyone's not like, you know, lit up by a Jimmy Choo the way I am. And not everyone's lit up about a deep dive personal development, life-changing transformation the way I am either. You know, so you are invited to discover what totally lights you up. Mm. You know, is it sleeping under the stars? You know, is it um, improving a 
chaturanga or what like it's like like what what is it that really lights you up genuinely not from a place of overreaching and not from a place of suppression I think that's what I would say and just follow follow the intuitive leadings and see where they go you will always be in charge of your life you will always get to make your decisions I think that um, like most of us you will be pleasantly surprised at what rules you have been living by that don't serve you actually yeah. and where your truth really is. Can I ask you a follow-up on that? Um, just to, for folks who this is a very, very start of the journey, it's about discerning what's the, ahamka, like what's the ego part of the brain, the intellect voice, mm-hmm. the, the, the um, programming, conditioning stuff, karma, and what's the actual truth? Because I know for a lot of yoga teachers, they will spend every last cent they have on more yoga teacher training. That's an okay thing. Oh, yes, prenatal. Yes, yoga. I'll take all of it. I'll spend as much as you like, fly anywhere. But, mm-hmm. but like the quality brand yoga pants, well, that would be greedy. I think for a lot of the, the, the default is to just go to the thinking, confusing the inner wisdom with the programming voice how do you know the difference what's defaulting to my programming and what's actually my connection to something bigger and and my truth yes so there's some sort of constriction happening when you're defaulting to the programming yep I say constriction something just doesn't feel right something's bothering you you're kind of triggered it's like you're, you're spending a lot of energy on why the designer yoga leggings aren't okay. You know, like, um, so you'll be able to sort of discover it there. And what you'll find is, um, I'm feeling led to like even share like a different example. The, the, um, uninvestigated value system will rob you of your true life and your purpose. So I'll, I'll give a different experience outside of money as well. Sure. Um, I, I did this with relationship. So I, I was... no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I was super clear. My soulmate is going to have black hair, green eyes. He's going to be 36, have a house on Lake Como, never been married before, not have kids. Like, and I was clear on that. And that was... Oh, and he was going to be rich. And that was on my vision board. And I was taking a stand because I know how this manifesting thing works. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the, uh, my mother told me, Jeannie, you have great taste. You better marry a wealthy man. She never said, you better learn how to make money yourself. It wasn't <laughs> in her collective consciousness. Um, and all the rest, I was just, I was very much in the archetype of princess about what was perfect and what was perfect for me. Well, um, you're going to have to read the books. I don't think we have quite enough time today for me to fully describe that I, uh, my soulmate happened to be a blonde hair, blue eyed chiropractor from Michigan who divorced very poorly a couple of times and had kids my age. <laughs> so I was invited by spirit to investigate what is my value system? Like, is it really important to me that the man make more money than me? And Amy, I mean, that was one of the biggest ones that shocked even this queen. Like, I, like, it wasn't. Like, what was important to me were so many other things. And I had to, 
I, I had to like, I was also surprised to hear like my value system for me wasn't having kids. Like I was, I'm Italian. Of course I'm going to have four kids. You know, and I had to ask my soul, not my conditioning. Like, what is your value system? Like, how do you, how does my soul desire to do life? And so when you do that around anything from money to what you can charge, to what you can wear, to what is your value system in life, then you will be led and then you will be free. If you discover what that is and take a stand to be courageous enough for whatever that really is for you. I love that. You know, it strikes me that there are a lot of um, yoga business owners in adversity right now because they thought that a yoga studio was the calling to serve more people in deeper ways. And I suspect, and I know I've spoken to a few people this past week who have decided to uh, let go of their lease, close up their bricks and mortar business because of lockdown, whatever, and they feel good about it because they've come to the point where they realised they wanted to serve people. They wanted to share yoga. They love beautiful space. But like you're saying about finding your soulmate, it didn't actually have to be a yoga studio, but that was the what is the unexplored value system that mm-hmm. took them down a different route. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And it will, it will, you know, when you go for God, all that is not authentically you falls away. And that that's where there's so much freedom. There's so much freedom. Um, before when I was broke and, you know, didn't think that it was okay to have nice things or spend money on nice things, I, I was at bondage. I was in complete, now I'm like so clear on who I am, unapologetic about it. It's for some people, it's not for others, but I am free. And that's, that's what I want for all of your listeners, for you to really explore your own value system. And if what's revealed to you seems out of reach, unattainable, you're confronted with that can't be for you, that's for someone else, or you have no idea how to make it happen, don't jump too quickly into the masculine. Just stay with getting clarity on the value system. Stay in the feminine and have the courage to live in the question and keep asking, how can this be my life? How can this be my reality? And be there for yourself. Do not self-abandon. Claim what is real for you and the universe will show you the forms and the ways of manifestation. Thank you. Amazing. Um, okay, so folks, follow Gina on Instagram, uh, Gina Deve, D-E-V-E-E, and she has lots of live uh, and uh, great IGTV things there, beautiful things to look at, lots of insightful comments, so make sure you follow her there. The book is called Audacity to be Queen. You can get it on, you know, what do you call it over there? It's not very good at shipping to a huge country in the middle of nowhere, um, Amazon. But you can also get it on Book Depository with free shipping, uh, just saying, because... Uh, look for there. Um, I also want to say just quickly before we finish up, Gina, I wanted to say thank you personally for uh, the past couple of months, because I remember watching something live of yours and you said something off the cuff about offhand about just how your business was recession proof. And I thought, shit, Amy, get your shit together because you're choosing, you can choose in this moment. Am I going to have a great old time through this period or am I going to get into all of those community notice boards and those Facebook groups and chatting all of that stuff about how scary and terrible and contracted this is going to be. And that really mm. gave me the kick in the pants to say, no, 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 I'm choosing to, to stay in flow here. How can I be in service from fullness and model that for my community as you have been doing for yours? So thank you so much for that. 
Oh, you're so welcome, Amy. It's just such a pleasure to see your leadership role in the community and how I feel like you know, you're, you're bringing two kind of polar opposite worlds and integrating them. And it's so needed and it's so you also. And it's, you're just such a testament about, um, we each have a role to play here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, COVID, it, when you look at the spiritual invitation for those of us that are healthy, that are privileged enough to be healthy and safe in our home, the universe is not designed to be punishing of us. It is an invitation to rise up, to pivot, to explore what else is possible and how can you actually be even more greatly supported with whatever digital programs or services or offerings that you're meant to bring forth in the world that's going to have an even wider reach uh, and a bigger impact than you know you would have uh, imagined prior so that is um it's, it's such a, a beautiful testament to the work that you've done the wealth consciousness that you have and also the very fierce commitment that you have to your community as well Thanks, Gina. Folks, it's a perfect time as we move from concealment back to revelation to be reading Gina's book because I'm sure that for everybody, uh, we're all starting to think, maybe I want things to be different when, when the, we revert. So great time to read Gina's book, The Audacity to be Clean. Thank you so much, Gina. You're so welcome, Amy. Thank you. And for anyone listening, you don't even have to buy the book. You can, but you don't even have to buy the book. If you go to divineliving.com forward slash audacity, I have a free companion course for the book that has videos and workbooks. And if you're new to me and just want to kind of tiptoe around right now, uh, there's no strings attached there. Come join us there. would love to get to know you. I'm in it. It's good. You should all get in it as well. Thank you. So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask, if you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure, of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at amyyogabizcoach. Take deep care.